Justin, welcome to season two. Uh, what do you have for your New Year's resolutions for 2024? Well, I, uh, I've never been one for like resolutions, yeah. um, but uh, kind of silently and not calling them resolutions. Okay, that's um, fair. Probably on the family side, not waste a moment of time that you have, right? Of course. Uh, so be, be more engaged, be, be more involved. And then on the work side, um, to make the battalion a, <laughs> uh, a place where people want to be. Positive changes. Positive changes, right? (laughs) So um, probably just to work harder on those two. Those two things would be where I'm at. Those are pretty good ones. Yeah, they're not bad. What about you? I know that my New Year's resolutions aren't uh, um, drastic and amazing, but what about you? What do you got for this year? Um, Well, uh, obviously paying attention. That's kind of an inside joke because I don't pay attention as much as I need to. So I'm going to work on that as I do every year, just putting that out there. Um, obviously not be so hard on myself. Um, I think that goes every year as well. And I do, I try to give it my best, Yeah. but it's hard sometimes and, uh, be resilient as I can. I think that's important and I'm always working on that. So, uh, as you should be, as we all should be. Yeah. Uh, but I, but I look at paying attention. Like I, <laughs> I don't know many people that, that operate as fast as you in the work environment. And I can only imagine it's that way at home as well. <laughs> so I can give you names of people who think I need to pay attention. Pay attention. <laughs> There's a list. Is it like There's a write list. it on the board behind me? All right. <laughs> Welcome back to GI and a Cup of Joe. Once again, I'm here with Annie T. Just a regular girl, and I'm here with Justin C. Just a regular guy. In this podcast, we'd like to take off the rank and get right down to just being a regular person who made a random decision to wear a uniform in the Idaho Army National Guard. All of us come from very different backgrounds, but we do have one common goal, to better our future. Not just to better our future for ourselves, but for our families and the ones we love. We encourage you to listen to each story and see how regular people with average grades, average attitudes, and common fears about their future find their strength and their ability to be resilient and to be able to accomplish extraordinary things. Welcome to Season 2. I view you as already pretty resilient and, you know, from what you went through uh, a few years ago, I can't even imagine the amount of resilience that you had to have to start with to survive a stroke. Um, Do you mind sharing your story a little? Um, Yeah, sure. It's been the ultimate resiliency exercise for sure. And and I'll share it with you if you promise not to feel bad for me because I don't share this story for sympathy. Okay. Promise. <laughs> yeah, I don't care about you. Oh. Got it. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> um, so on June 21st of um, 2021, um, the first day of summer, of course, I survived a stroke that left the right side of my body completely paralyzed. Um, I went from being a completely independent person to a complete dependent person in a matter of hours. I did spend a few days in the ICU. Um, I had to learn how to walk again, how to go up and down the stairs, how to get dressed. I I basically had to start over. Um, It was pretty frustrating, um, scary, but I can tell you that I did make the most of it. And I look back at my time in the hospital, and I I truly did have fun, honestly. Um, I got along with the nurses really well. Even the other patients in there, I don't know if they knew what to think of me at first because I was maybe too positive, but... You can choose to be positive or you can choose to be negative. And I wake up in the morning and I always choose positivity because I can't 
live in negativity. That's just how I've always been. I still have things that I have to deal with for the rest of my life. Um, I feel like I'm about 85% recovered, but my goal is definitely 90. So I'm still doing things to help my recovery. But let me tell you why I was so positive. You know, when I when I went in there, I was obviously scared. I was at the Elks Rehab Hospital in downtown Boise. And there was a guy there. He was a patient. I think he came in like two days after I was admitted. And he was your stereotypical like biker guy. He was super burly, tall, sleeve tattoos, just fit the part. But he was a whiny baby. He was <laughs> so whiny. Oh. Um, he sat in his wheelchair. He was paralyzed on the, I think, the same side that I was. Um, so something similar had happened to him. But he would sit in his wheelchair with his head down. He would lay in his bed and not even try to have a good day, right? Um, he would be so, he wasn't mean to the nurses, but he definitely did not want to be there. Like, I, I guess I accepted the fact that I had a stroke, right? I accepted right. the fact I was paralyzed. I could not change that. So why am I going to sit in my room and cry about everything when I can't change it? Crying is not going to make me not paralyzed. Right, yep. This guy sat there miserable for probably... I was there with him for two full weeks. I don't think I ever saw him smile. I never saw him say thank you. I never saw him try more than he had to in our therapies we had because right. we had some group therapy like walking and whatever. Never saw him overachieve. I'm like, man, how can this guy live in such misery? And right. so I would be over there laughing with my nurses and doing dumb stuff and like trying to move. Obviously, I couldn't move, but I just made made it fun, right? right? Even though I was internally miserable how hard was that to find the positivity like on a daily basis weeks after this kicked off for you like that seems like that is a separate massive challenge besides everything else you're going through it was i was i was devastated when i went to the er and i was diagnosed with the stroke and i felt it coming on because i knew i couldn't move so i knew something had happened so i was very scared very devastated for like the first i don't know day and when I, I was in the ICU for about three or four days, and even in the ICU, I was, I found the comedy in, in this because again, I, I couldn't change it, right? right? I cannot change not being paralyzed. So, okay, I'm now left-handed. I've always wanted to be left-handed because I'm a daddy's girl and my dad was left-handed. Well, right. thank you. Here's my chance, right? <laughs> so I practiced writing with the left hand and I mean, I'm not left-handed, so it was terrible, right. but it was better than my right hand because I couldn't even lift it. So... It's just those things. Um, the thing that really devastated me the most was um, my dance, my ability to dance. Right. And I knew that would be a, a huge struggle to get back because, I, I mean, I need my right side and my balance to dance. Right. So have you danced since? I have. Okay. I have. Two years later, um, this past summer, I was on stage with my team for the first time. Huh. So. You can recover. It, recovery is possible. You just have to want it. And I look back and I see that guy. I will never forget him. I don't even know his name. I don't want to know his name. But he did not want to recover. He did not want to get better. Right. So I don't know how he is today. I don't know what disability percentage he's at today. But I look at myself. I'm like, thank God I did the things needed of me. I had a positive attitude. I accepted the help. Yeah. And I'm able to, I'm like 85%. Well, Okay. You don't look like you're just 85%. And when you came back, you have been kicking ass the entire time. You, your job duties and descriptions never changed. No balls have been dropped. I will tell you a little secret. Um, I wrote the marketing plan 
that year that I had my stroke and I wrote the entire thing with my left hand on the computer. Really? Yep. The whole page, there was like seven pages that I wrote and it was all with my left hand. It took me so long to do it, but I was determined I was going to get it done um, just because that's just how I am. I wanted to get it done. Um, my right hand was worthless, <laughs> which giving me more typos than anything. So I just powered it out with my left hand and drove on. And I was still receiving emails from you while you were in the hospital. Yep. Yep. So I, there has to be something to be said for the power of positive thought. Absolutely. Right? Um, it, it can change everything. I, be- it can I change believe it. everything. I believe it. And you're an example of it. I do have to tell you a funny story though, that I forgot to tell you when I was in the hospital, my friend Katie came to visit me. Katie Barnes. Oh, really? And she brings me this tank top and it says, I'm not drunk. I've had a stroke. And so I wear that to therapy because I think it's awesome, right? Right. And uh, I was asked by the nurses if I could not wear that because other patients didn't have the humor that I had and they weren't quite ready to laugh at their stroke yet. (laughs) I was like, sure, I will wear it in my room. Oh, yeah. Because I was just, woo, I had a stroke. Let's party, right? Right. Everybody raise their left hand, right? (laughs) (laughs) They, they were they, okay with you wearing it in the room? I could wear it in the room, but okay. when I had therapy out with everybody else, they didn't find it as funny as I did. So oh I was like, <laughs> it was for the patients. And I honestly think that one guy um, probably complained about it. Yeah. But there was a few older ladies in there that probably weren't as happy as I was either. So oh. <laughs> it's just funny. I yeah. still have that tank top and I wear it today. So. Do you? Oh, yeah. Of okay. course. Absolutely. It's funny to me. I Yeah. Because I you can't fix it. You can't undo it so how do you go through life without a sense of humor you can't what about you i know you have a story of resilience somewhere in you well i don't think that my resiliency story is as is as massive or a a huge example as yours um but i did not grow up uh in the best environment right and that that's kind of known and i kind of bounce back and forth between parents and uh my senior year uh, of high school, um, I, I remember it coming to a close and I had come home and I, I found like in the house, a jug of OJ and a half bag of potatoes <laughs> and some ramen and a mattress, right? And, okay. Um, and this is, and I lived in Oregon at the time, um, Rainier, Oregon, which is way over on the uh, West Coast. And uh, my parents had decided to move to LeGrand and, uh, or my, my mom and my stepdad, and they just they up and then left, right? And there was five days left uh, on the rent in the house that they were renting. So um, five days, five days. So I very quickly had to uh, go out and get a car, and I had to find a place to live. And I don't, I don't know if you're 18 years old and um, just kind of you completed high school and you're brand new to the world, walking into a car dealership trying to get a car with absolutely no credit. Uh, it was rough, right? So my first car payment was massive. <laughs> As they um, all are. <laughs> but uh, I ended up getting an apartment, and I started started building a life off of that. And you know, renting the apartment was four fifty a month for a two wow. bedroom, right? Vintage so, prices. <laughs> yeah, way vintage. So anyway, um, I was kind of catapulted catapulted into life uh, very quickly, and uh, I I ended up tested. I tested for, and at this time I was in the reserves as well in the military, so one week in a month. And I tested uh, for a job at a chemical plant, and I got it. And I was there for three years, and it paid very well. And I thought, oh, man, my career is set. I only have to do this for, you know, they have a, they had a rule of 62 or something there. So whatever my age plus the years that I worked when it equaled 62, I could leave. Oh, nice. And I could retire. Okay. But it had a 401k plan. It had all these things. It paid very well. All like the, st- the muscles. Right? Yeah, I started as a laborer, worked myself up in the shipping department. Anyway, three years into it, um, 
being so new at life still, I'd already started a family, but uh, I'd made some mistakes in this appointment and I got managed to get myself let go. Oh no. And I remember the drive home and I had two kids already and had another one on the way. And I remember the drive home and the conversation I was going to have to have, like, I don't have a job anymore. And I was the sole income, oh, right? No. So um, that was just, and I, and I know this probably happens to a lot of people, right? But for me, that was, that was a massive turning point for me. Because up to that point, you, you have these like, oh, man, life is so easy, right? Look, I landed yep. this job. Look at what I'm doing. It's, oh, man, why do people complain, <laughs> right? Seems so easy. And then I got handed these cards, which I dealt to myself, right? And it was devastating. No job, no insurance, no more 401k. It all just went away just like that. And uh, I remember it took me 21 minutes to drive home. That was the drive from the Longest drive ever. Oh, man, it was horrible because you're running through everything that you have to say, right? And and how you're going to handle it. And I remember it lasted for about 12 hours. And then I immediately started. And this will date you, right? You're looking in the newspapers. You're looking, you know, because this is early 90s. Uh, for some of you that, yeah, we did not have cell phones or internet. The late 1900s. Right. <laughs> so you're looking in papers for jobs and you're you're talking to people. And uh, I remember I, I got picked up uh, working construction, building gas stations um, as a laborer. And then I worked myself into an equipment operator. But in the evenings, I was driving armored truck um, out of Portland, Oregon. And then on the weekends, I was working uh, in the drug exclusion zone in northeast Portland. Wow as a reserve police officer within six months, I had three jobs that I was working and I was working pretty much around the clock. So the alarm went off at four o'clock in the morning and I didn't make it home until about 12, 15 every night. And then on the weekends, which was my days off from the other two jobs, I would do 12 hours uh, in the drug exclusion zone in, in Portland. And uh, that's how, and all of those together made the one paycheck that I got Wow! right from my previous job. So it went on uh, for three, three, four, five years, something like that. And I decided to uh, pick up and move closer to family in Idaho. And I got hired with the, uh, the state out here in Idaho. And I, I remember my first paycheck when I came to the Guard full time. And it's not always about the paycheck, right? But it is when but you're raising is. a family, yep, right? absolutely. And I just remember it, it when I got hired out here full time and I saw the paycheck, it's like that's kind of when I felt like my life had started. And it kind of reset everything. And just look back at that time, and, you know, and when I, when I talk to other soldiers and I talk to other people when they're going through struggles, I just, I look back on that time and the things that you had to do to manage to get by. And I just, I think that everybody has to have a reserve of resilience naturally inside of them. And if you can't tap into that, or if you have, don't have the ability to lean on that when, when times get tough, I just look back at all the points in time during that three to five year span where things could have went sideways and I, I wouldn't have ended up here or would have lost another job. But you or... never gave up in that time span. Absolutely. You did what you needed to do for your family, for your life. Moving forward. And that's been the thing moving, like every decision you make now moving forward, it's like, okay, is this decision going to get me to this spot again? Sure. Because right? I'm going to avoid that decision. Right. So. Learned your lesson early. Absolutely. So again, not as uh I think it's just an important. Oh, oh. I think it's just an important because you did dem- never give up. Just right. like I never gave up, you never gave up. Absolutely. So thinking back to a leader who inspired you the most, 
what qualities did that leader have? You know, there's a couple leaders that come to mind over my career in the Idaho Guard. Um, the first one was uh, First Sergeant Travis Frost. I don't know if you know him, but he was very, he was a very like soldier for the soldier person, much like you. He cared about the soldiers. He did what was best for them. He guided them in a way that would benefit them and not just the mission. Like, yes, we need this done, but if you do it this way, you can get things on your resume as well as the mission get accomplished. Like he was very much, let me help you succeed. Right. Um, I really enjoyed that, especially that type of leadership from him. Right. Um, what about you? What qualities stand out to you for a leader? Well, um, I have two examples um, that I kind of fall back on. The first one, who was a, a CSM in the Recruiting Retention Battalion at the time, but when he was most influential to me, he was a Master Sergeant, Robert Gordley. Okay. And uh, he was the NCOIC uh, of the recruiting company that they hired me into. And uh, he was there from basically uh, E4 when they hired me all the way up through, through E7. And there wasn't this dude's knowledge base um, and his wisdom about how to be a leader. It was everything that you wanted to kind of aspire to be. And just the simple things, right? He would like, hey, listen. You're a recruiter. You have a mission. Your mission's three a month. I understand that that's stressful. You go get our company, new recruits, and I'll take care of your future. And just to have somebody say that, it was like, and when you look the guy in the eye and he shakes your hand, you know he's being honest about yeah. it, right? And then, uh, so when I look at those, those kind of leadership qualities, like you're out doing the mission, I got everything else is on me, right? I like that. So... I learned that from him. And then the, the second person was uh, Sergeant First Class Jeff Steele. Oh. Yeah. And uh, he was my office partner for a large portion of my street recruiting when, when it was, you know, rough street recruiting. And, and I kind of attribute how to be a recruiter I learned from him. But I, we talk about the wisdom. There was nobody that was wiser than this guy, in my opinion, when it comes to all things Army, all things soldier care. Even to this day, he still works as a private contractor for our recruit sustainment program. And he is constantly guiding our brand new company commanders, our E7s, our new RSP, you know, recruit sustainment program, yeah, awesome. NCOs. Uh, he's still in the mix. And there isn't something that I haven't learned from him, but very humble. I can't count the times that he stood up and put his hand on my shoulder and sat me back down when I wanted to charge out of the office and go champion another cause for some reason. And he's like, whoa, there he is. <laughs> Buck Sergeant, <laughs> just sit down for a second and think about this. So probably those two are the most influential. I, I know Robert Gordley, too, and he ha he's very compassionate. We have a common soldier that we both care a lot for, and I just watched him mentor her and get her through some tough times. And him and I talked a lot about how we can together help her. Um, he just truly cared. Yeah. And I think that's super important. It's absolutely important. Um, so what are some coping techniques that you use to manage stress? Uh, gym and running. You do run a lot. I do. Um, and running has, running wasn't the thing that I've done my entire life. Like I took it up probably in 2018, 2019. Okay. Running's not fun. It's absolutely not fun. But once you do it for a while, uh, you begin to enjoy it. But, um, lifting, uh, lifting weights has been something that I've always been into, um, since, you know, 95, 96. So that is, and that's my time. Like I get up in the morning when everybody else is asleep and I put together just enough stuff in my own home gym, you know, in the, in the stall, in the garage. And that's my time to get my head right. 
right? You get the endorphins, you get all that stuff kind of flooded into your body and it wipes everything away and you can come in, you can handle the day. And it's noticeably like my energy is lower when I skip a day at the gym or I don't run. Yeah. So um, for me, that's what I do. I used to do a lot of that too. Um, before I had my stroke, obviously my exercise um, patterns and hab- habits have changed since my stroke. Um, right. And since I can't run anymore, it's a funny thing what I do, but I just kind of sit in the couch and play my bejeweled game and my solitaire game right. because it's mindless. It takes no thinking. You just press buttons and play the game and it takes no thinking and I can sit and just relax. Um, I used to be uh, a runner too. I used to go for runs. I used to you know, walk out of my front door and run five miles. And obviously that's not a, an option anymore. Right. So I had to find something, something easier to keep, you know, and I do a lot of cooking too. Um, I bake with my daughters. So oh, yeah? if we have the stuff in the kitchen to bake, we'll bake something together. Um, just again, something mindless, just, I need to just clear my brain, think of something else. And I did hear something funny too. Um, if you are super stressed and, or can't handle, your stress that you're dealing with, if you eat something sour, it uh, triggers your brain to think of something else. So try that. Yeah, try it. Uh, Find something really sour, like a warhead or a sour patch kit or something sour, but you'll stop being stressed because your brain is like, what is a sourness? And for like a couple minutes, you'll be focused on the sourness. Try it. Uh, Okay. I've read multiple articles about it because I didn't believe it. And so I started researching it and then I saw a TikTok on it. I'm like, oh my gosh, this is true. Because you saw it on TikTok. Because I saw it on TikTok. It's true. (laughs) All right. All right. So I'll pull out the, uh, my inner Gen X and, and uh, go get some Sour Patch. Um, So what advice would you give to a leader who is noticeably stressed or having a bad day in general besides eating Sour Patch cans? Um, Go home. Go home. That's it. Like your, any decision you make when you're stressed is not going to be a good one. There's no decision that comes out that's a good one. I agree. And if you're struggling, um, if, um, you know, and there's a variety of reasons and you see it, you see people, uh, you know, people falling apart, taking things personal when they shouldn't be taking things personal yep. and uh, go home, go home and just like, it's not a hit to you to take a knee because everything that happens when you're frustrated, mad, upset all of the above right any decision that you make any words that you use negatively affects morale and destroys um if it happens regularly and constantly like right. if you're known for this thing it's going to destroys people's trust in the trust in you and your ability to handle stressful situations so uh, go home and if you're struggling and today's not your day right yep. and you're telling people not today when they walk in your office just go home i agree so. I agree. That, that would be my advice, too, is to just go home, go find something else to do. There are times where I need to just get up from my um, my desk and go into the back and find something else to do, print stickers or re-box whatever we have back there. Right. Do something that just gets me away from what I'm dealing with at my desk. And yep. then if it gets too much for me, I will just go home. I will, you know, today's done. I'm going to try again tomorrow. Yep. So. And there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. Well, that's all the time we have for today. We'd like to thank our guests and our production crew for their time. Join us every Wednesday here on GI and a Cup of Joe. See you next week.